Thank you so much for listening to the audio version of our podcast. If you prefer an extended cut version with extra content, there's a link to our YouTube page on our website at letgoddie.com or you can follow us on Facebook. Also on our website, we have a support tab. If you'd like to contribute to what we're doing and help us continue sharing the stories of God at work, you'll find a link to our Patreon page where you can pledge as low as $1 a month and help us continue putting out episodes of the podcast. Most of our episodes do contain some content and language not suitable for children. Thank you for your time and on to the show. Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is, and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. All right, this is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And this is Calvin. And our guest today is Erica Harris. Um, I met Erica when I was out in San Francisco um, with uh, the We Are Church uh, house church planting training um, back in November of 2018. Um, and Erica was uh, one of several people whose stories that I heard that I, uh, I had in mind even at the time that like I would love to have her on the show to share a little bit of her story. So uh, before we get into the, the nitty gritty of things, um, Erica, can you share a little bit about um, who you are, uh, kind of what you do currently in life, and then we'll get to some of the backstory of, of all that jazz. I am, I guess, a lover of Jesus and I'm a nanny because I love children as well. And um, I'm just living life in San Francisco lots of other people here who love Jesus and have you always lived in San Francisco or no yeah <laughs> sorry I'm originally from New Orleans Louisiana shout I out lived there until Katrina spent the year in Mississippi and then the rest of my time until San Francisco was spent in Houston so I feel like I'm a New Orleans Houston like hybrid but I definitely feel like New Orleans is home what got you from Texas to Cali um I knew, so I I was supposed to go to the very first church intensive in January 2017. I couldn't make that one because of school money. And uh, I ended up getting to go to the one in March 2017. And for a while they stopped. They weren't going to do it anymore if, unless it was going to be only for pastors. And so somehow they're like, hey, two week, in two weeks, this church intensive that we're having will be the last one that you can go to unless we change it up again. And I was like, oh, I don't have the money for that. And long story short, God used Reddit to get my trip paid for. And then went to San Francisco, loved it, knew God was calling me there uh, to be a part of the women's house. Went back in August to kind of meet the women running the house, to see what the house was like, get information. And then uh, that was August 2017. And then January 2017, I moved and I've been here in San Francisco ever since. And nice. just for a little context, uh, so the church intensive um, was like the the training um, that uh, I went through. Um, so Erica, so you went there planning for that just to be short term. And um, do you want to share a little bit about uh, how that turned into a long term thing and about the women's house that you referenced? Uh, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I always 
loved Francis and considered, like, always said, I would love to move to be a part of what he's doing, but also knew other communities in the country that were, like, kind of similar. I don't know if I ever thought San Francisco would be the top pick, um, but once I, like, came for church intensive, like, I knew, like, I was moving there. So I went back, started preparing. Like, I knew. I didn't know when or how or what. And I knew I would be a part of the women's home. And there was a lady I met during my church intensive time that would constantly text me and ask me, like, hey, did you reach out? Or when are you going to do the women's home and all this stuff? Like, you know, when you visit again, you can stay at my house. So she was, like, really pushing me. And so, um, and always reached out. And so I was like, I was like, hey, okay, I think this weekend I could come. So can I stay at your house? And she's like, absolutely. So I booked my ticket and came in August because when I come for church intensive, I went to Huli Huli Hawaiian Grill, you know, the nonprofit restaurant that supports the ministry, which is now called um, The Way SF, but it used to be Project Bayview. And so, um, but I didn't get a chance to see the women's home. Um, so when I came in August, I met with the leadership and like stayed in the house for a night. And essentially it's like a women's discipleship home um, where there's a one-to-one mentor-to-mentee ratio. And you pretty much live life and help people to learn to walk with Jesus in life um, and work in community and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, like after March, I was preparing. Literally, I hadn't even met the leadership of the women's home, but I already knew that I was moving. I was like, they don't know it yet, but I know. <laughs> so I um, totally prepared. And, yeah, a lot of people in my life did not support my decision. Um, it didn't make sense to them. But like, I look back and it's like the best thing I ever made. Cause I didn't finish school. I was like two classes away from my degree. And it's like, oh, I can finish it later. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. And so. Yeah. So um, Erica, uh, when I was out in San Francisco, um, got to know a lot of you guys pretty well. Um, and um, I felt like you were like, in particular, really personable and wanted to know us. Um, there were a couple nights that you were just like asking like, all right, so what's your testimony? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like I don't get that asked that a lot, but some like really cool conversations came out of that. And then I was able to hear your story. Um, so I would love for you to share, um, yeah, just your story, um, f- whatever amount of detail um, you want to give uh, yeah. with, you know, your childhood and just getting you pretty much to where you got to a place that you wanted to travel across the country to be a part of, uh, of what God yeah. was doing. So essentially when I was, you know, my mom, when she had me, she had me literally one month after her 18th birthday, we're like a month apart to the day. Um, and my mom just had a not so great upbringing. So, you know, teen mom, um, you know, she ended up having right after me two other girls. And so at the time that I was right before I turned five, yeah, so my younger sister or my middle sister, of my mom's three kids ended up passed like she ended up being shot and killed right a week before her third birthday um and right before i turned five so it was really confusing because I, I come home i remember my mom having bandages on she was shot three times and i didn't really know the story until i got older but what happened was my mom's boyfriend at the time he was the father of both of my younger two sisters he like dealt drugs and stuff and uh they brought my younger sister her name was chastity with them to this like drug transaction and it just pretty much went bad and they didn't intend to kill her but um she suffered a gunshot wound to the head my mom was shot three times and then her dad was shot 
um, like a few times and I think stabbed as well. So he didn't survive and she didn't survive, but my mom did. Wow. Uh, and you know, the crazy thing is, it's like when I hear talk about like, I don't know, uh, I want to do air quotes, like the inner city and like also, uh, like gun control and violence. I never think about myself as being affected by that because I forget that that's like my story. Cause my dad also, he wasn't as involved, um, because he is, um, physically disabled, like half his body's paralyzed. And that was because he was shot in a drive-by. Gosh. And the the people that shot him, he knew. Yeah, so they didn't intend to shoot him, but his car was, like, a shade blue different and, like, had tinted windows or didn't, and the other car was, like, the opposite. So, yeah, he was um, sprayed in a drive-by that forced him half his body to be paralyzed. I think that happened when I was, like, a year old or something, so... He was kind of absent from my life, but it really wasn't by choice because he was limited and my mom was difficult. And so, you know, he just did the best he could, but could, he was he just couldn't do much. So, um, and yeah, so that was like some of my childhood. My mom never really had all of her children um, for the most of our lives or, or together. I was a child she had the most. And um, I still love lots of different people. I didn't consistently begin to live with her until, I think, 13. Maybe at around 12 or 13 after Katrina hit and we moved to Texas. But kind of other short things I always mention is just like when I was eight years old, I was like super, super suicidal. Because my mom could be very emotionally, mentally abusive, sometimes physically abusive. Um, and... Yeah, I was just super suicidal, and it was during that time I would cry myself to sleep singing uh, Jesus Loves Me, and, you know, God gave me a vision then as a kid, and I wouldn't say I believed then, but I definitely, I believed in God. I knew he was with me. I knew he was acting, but a lot of things didn't make sense, Um, but this vision just basically was what kept me from, like, killing myself, and it kind of just gave me hope, like, you know, this is not the end. There's more. Just like persevere, and um, and uh, do, do you mind sharing uh, what what that was, um, or some detail, or do you, do you even remember? No, no, I I remember it very vividly. I tend not to share it fully what it means to me, but what essentially it was, um, what I will share about it is that it was almost like the dream very clearly said you're like in this dark tunnel but there's a light at the end so if you just keep walking you'll get to that and um also kind of like and and basically also let me know that everything that was going through all the pain all the hurt wasn't simply just for me to endure it but also to be able to uh help other people at some point in life and you had you kind of had that uh i guess understanding um as uh, when you were like eight years old ish yeah wow wow yeah it was very that was like very clear um there's a little bit more to it that i feel like god was saying that would happen at the end but that's something i'm still kind of waiting on and something i've learned to kind of like not necessarily share as much so yeah yeah. nice yeah but i definitely had understanding when i was eight years old and so when i would get sad when i would think about committing suicide i was like no gonna make god upset and i just gotta keep pushing and so my whole life after that was like keep pushing you know um and 
Yeah, I think one thing that I've recently started sharing when I share my testimony, because I think it's deeply impacted me and my relationship with God, but I don't think I realized the full extent of it until recently. It's like, because I didn't grow up with my mom, three main maternal figures in my life were my mom, my grandmother, and my godmother. But my godmother, I probably could honestly say, was like my rock. She was the one that I loved the most, even more than my mom, who I admire, who was just the most like loving and like, because my grandma can be just as abusive as my mom was. So, but you know, my grandma was jealous of her. They were friends. Um, and so my grandma told me when I was around eight years old that my godmother didn't love me the same that she loved her own children, who were about 10 years wow. older than me. And that bothered me because I thought, you know, I love them all pretty equal. Or maybe, at, I mean, at the time, I don't think I realized I love my godmother more. But now I can say that, uh, which kind of sounds harsh, but it's true. <laughs> um, and so when she said that really bothered me. And so I was talking to my godmother on the phone. And I said, hey, nanny, that's like the name or term for godmother in New Orleans. Everyone calls them nanny. Hmm. So I called her and I said, hey, nanny, like. My grandma told me you don't love me as much as you love your own kids. Because uh, she asked what was wrong because she could tell I was upset. And so when I told her that, her response was, well, Ari, you know, I gave birth to them, so I can't uh, love them the same as you. And I think from that moment onward, it just really wrecked me a lot. Um, I think it contributed to, like, the depression that I faced, like, from the around eight years old onward. It wasn't the only con factor, but it was like a, a major part in that. And like, she never really knew, I never really expressed it, but I always, from that moment, doubted she loved me. And she did a lot for me. Like, I don't even know if I would have made it through some stuff without her, but I always kind of doubted that love was like the motivating factor behind her actions. I attributed to other things. And so- So it was kind of like your grandma, like in, uh, planted that seed of doubt about your godmother's love and that just kind of wrecked you, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably was the biggest, like, like more most foundational, like, yeah. I think it's, like, was more impactful than some of the physical abuse and mental abuse, emotional abuse from my uh, mom. Because it's, like, the one person who I believe, like, really loved me and cared for me, I found out didn't, you know. Um, and then I feel like, well, I don't have anyone. No one loves me. And I... From because of that, still today struggle to receive love from people. Um, so I even wrestle with like, does God really love me? You know, like lots of rejection, especially because of stuff that. And I tried to express these things to my godmother about two, three years ago. She didn't take it well, which turned down to her full, like fully rejecting me, which was devastating for me. Um, since then, we have a relationship now, but. It's hard when you keep something in for like 20 years and then you, you know, yeah. So it's still being worked out. I, I can look back and say for sure that eight years old when I started to experience like real depression, like suicidal thoughts and hopelessness and just all kinds of stuff. Um, but that vision God gave me like really became like my rock because anytime I thought I was like, no, just push it. And so, yeah, around um, 10 years old, Hurricane Katrina happened. Um, I ended up being on the news for that. So if you like Google Erica Harris, Hurricane Katrina, I was on like eight people's news and that kind of thing a few years ago. Um, so how, how were you affected by Katrina? 
Yeah. So I was there in the city when the hurricane actually hit. So I had to walk through the water, stay, sleep in the Superdome. So as a 10-year-old, it was like it was about a, a week and a half before my 11th birthday. So when I was in the Superdome, I got interviewed as a 10-year-old, like, you know. And um, a few years ago, I think it was 2015, for the 10-year anniversary, they, like, found me um, with the private investigator and then, like, interviewed me again. And so that's when I was on, like, national news for the weekend. So, yeah,
I pretty much like in that moment realized I maybe didn't believe in the Bible like I thought I did. Um, because I was like, you know, my grandma talks a lot about Jesus, talks about the Bible. But if she's a Christian, then like I don't want any part in that because she's crazy. She's a hypocrite. I don't, you know, like she's evil. Like I feel like my grandma was like the most evil person that I know ever. And um, yeah, I just was like, I want no part in Christianity if that's it. And so I really, I remember sitting on my bed in college and being like, do I really believe in God even? Like, am I atheist? Am I agnostic? And so I remember repeating to myself, like trying on these thoughts, like there is no God, there is no God, there is no God to see if I believed it. And I couldn't really commit to that. Like I knew for a fact there was God because it was like God had really presented himself to me in my life. Even though I didn't fully understand, like I knew for a fact God existed, like without a doubt. I thought about the vision, like, you know, this is what literally kept me every time something bad would happen when I'd be crying. I read the story of Joseph because that really spoke to me. So it's like, no, God is real. And then I just kind of went to this whole God is love, relativism, you know, your truth, my truth, whatever, whatever. Um, then I ended up transferring from UT Arlington to go to University of Houston. Um, so I still had my job at Target where I lived and my sister was going into foster care. When I was 19, I thought, okay, she's 16, she can live with me, she can work, and I can help my sister, you know, and that was a terrible idea. But from that, um, this girl I went to church with kept inviting me, or this girl I worked with kept inviting me to church, and I really didn't want to go because I was like, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> um, but um, I decided I had a Christian, like, professor, and he works for an organization called Core Love. They have an like, they have like a orphanages in Haiti, hmm. and he's like, you know, I'm a Christian. You don't have to be a Christian, but if you want to come to Haiti to like volunteer with orphans, like you can come with my organization. It's Christian, but you can come. And I was like, well, I'm Christian and never left the country, and I would love to help, you know, orphans in Haiti. So I ended up going. Well, the night before we flew out to go to Haiti. Um, this girl who kept inviting me to church, I promised her, I said, listen, okay, I promise you next Sunday I'll go, which was the Sunday before I flew out this trip. And I'm like, dang it, I don't want to go, but I made a promise, so I have to keep it. That's like my thing. So I went, and the pastor, he he was really funny, you know, and really caught my attention. And I really liked it, you know. It was a young adult service at um, also a very well-known church. I mean, I was in Houston. If everybody it was Lakewood Church, I will admit I went to Lakewood Church. You know, Joe Osteen Church. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I went to a Sunday night, which is like a young adult service, and so um, really small. And yeah, this guy was really funny, and I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, this was cool. It wasn't the worst experience. So I get on this plane, go to Haiti, and I wouldn't say I started to believe in, but it was like I would say probably a turning point because it made me go. Erica, you grew up Christian. And so when I left this mission trip after spending a week there, I remember challenging some of the believers. They're like, yeah, the Bible, this and this and this. And, you know, I'm like a know-it-all. Um, so when I leave, though, I'm like, you know, I should start going to church again. You know, I went to that church. It was pretty cool. But on this trip, you know, like, that's we're in the South. Like, I should go to church. So I started going to church. And, you know, through going um, on Sunday nights, I started going Sunday and Wednesday, like, um, this guy who was preaching started to talk about the gospel in a way that I started to finally kind of get why Jesus died. I don't think I ever really understood my whole life 
like you hear Jesus on the cross, one thing I got like why he died, you know? Yeah. And so he would explain it like, you know, you have a debt and you can't pay it. And then like he writes the check and he would just talk about, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to get it, you know? And so they were advertising at the young adult service, this passion conference. It was 2014. I was like, this looks like fun. I'm going to go to that. It looks like fun, you know? So I go to, I decided to go to passion and, you know, like, I didn't have one of those moments where something someone said clicked to me or whatever. But I remember Beth Moore going through this, like, 20 declarations, like, of the Bible. She's like, um, if you, you know, believe in Jesus as, like, uh, coming back, say, I agree. You believe the Bible's an errant word of God, say, I agree. You believe God is triune and Father's and Holy Spirit, say, I agree. And I was, like, saying I agree because I was with this girl from my job, a different girl. Um, who I just met, and I felt like I had to be the Christian agree. But I was really going, I don't think I believe in this stuff. Like, I don't know if I have these statements. Like, I, I kind of take offense to them. I don't know if I, it sounds crazy. I don't believe in this stuff. And then right up until the very end, I remember they were, like, raising funds to make Bibles for, like, some Middle Eastern country. And I was like, I shouldn't give money to this because, like, they're changing people's cultures and changing their religions, and that's wrong. And But I did anyway to look good and yeah, like it was ending, and I was totally like convinced. Yeah, I'm not a Christian, I don't think. And right as we we're leaving, literally, the last song was being sung. So cliche, but it was Oceans, and her song was singing. <laughs> and um, I'm just singing the lyrics and have my hands up, and all of a sudden I hear God speak to me because I was going through a lot of stuff with my sister and my mom, and he just it's like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And all of a sudden, it was like, bam, Holy Spirit. And I remember being, like, in this trance, and I talked to, to my friend about it later, but she was like, yeah, you kind of disappeared and left. Like, you didn't even know where you went. Like, as it ended, and I was just in this, like, being, like, filled with the Spirit. Like, I just felt the Spirit of God. I was, like, beeline to my car, got to my car, and then I was, like, it was literally, like, the veil was torn from my eyes. Like, I just could see everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, God, I turned my back on you. Like, you were there for me in my life. Like, you were there for me as a kid. And I currently just turned my back on you. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, a lot of these things don't make sense. You know, I'm really like an intellectual person. But I was like, you know, Jesus, if you're real, there'll be an answer for, for these questions that I have. And I'm just going to figure it out. And I repented. I like all of a sudden felt like like the greatest high I could ever imagine. I literally felt like the woman at the well. Like, I just want to run and tell everyone. People that, this is one girl who's really a believer at my job, like, real believer. I used to, like, annoy her and irritate her <laughs> by arguing with her. And all of a sudden, I'm, like, reading the Bible, and I'm like this. And she's, everyone's just like, what happened to you? Because um, I was just, like, instantly, um, the first book I got, I was still going to Lakewood Church, you know, a huge bookstore. I saw The Case for Christ. So that was the first book that I read. And then I was, like, amazed. I'm like, how come anyone, no one ever told me these things? It was, like, real facts and all this stuff. And, like. Um, and then from reading the case for Christ, that's when I decided to start reading the Bible, starting in John. And back then, I wish I could do that now. Like, I would read for like four or five hours. I wouldn't even know what time it is. I just look up and be like, dang, I've been reading for four hours straight. And yeah, God just like wrecked me. And um, yeah, I remember just getting to the another like maybe 24. I remember reading through John, I believe, and getting to the point where Jesus says, like, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross, deny himself, yourself, and follow me. And I, like, stopped there, and I was like, whoa, that's a big commitment. And then I was like, 
do I want to commit to that? And I was like, yeah, I do. I remember I just kept reading. So yeah, ever since then, it's been uh, uphill and downhill and uphill and downhill, you know, mm-hmm. a steady incline up, but not Good. not a straight line, you know? That's awesome. That's yeah. really, really awesome. Like to know that Holy Spirit, like the Lord spoke to you in a place where like no one had to convince you of his presence. Like you knew his voice when you heard it. Yeah. Like that's that's kind of like how you definitely know it's real. Because, like, yeah. the Lord does speak to people in different ways. And the fact that you weren't convinced into believing and you tried everything you could to not believe, and yet still, like, the Lord reached out and grabbed you, like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not letting you get away that easy. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. That's really sick. Yeah. It's crazy to me. I'm like, I wasn't really seeking. I know that some people do. But he totally just, like, reached out. You know, it, like, blows my mind sometimes when I think about it. For sure. Yeah, kind of so- sounds like the gospel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so sick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's really cool. Just like, uh, I guess that you can identify, identify. You know, like right when that happened. Um. Uh. I guess like, what was like, uh, what was that like in in your car? I know you referenced. Um. I guess kind of like seeing the past in a different light. Um. I'm yeah. I'm really interested in like this idea. Um, and this reality is not just an idea, but like uh, of God, like redefining our pasts um, and like yeah. really just kind of it oftentimes like in those moments of like just Holy Spirit revealing things and uh, just becoming real to us. Um, just being like, oh, that's like what you're up to or that's how you're yeah. there with me. Um, I don't know yeah. if you want to touch on any of that. Yeah, I think I'll say one of the biggest things that I love about the way I came to know God is that when I prayed and repented, it wasn't like a repeat after me prayer. It was right. like, this is my, this is my heart. And yeah. my heart is like, I see how wicked and evil I was and that you're like calling out to me. And so I'm accepting and, you know, but yeah, looking back, it's like, I always knew without a doubt God was with me. So it wasn't like I saw that in a new way, but I saw my own, like, cause you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't like a bad kid, you know, like to say, like, I was actually talking to someone last night about this, like most kids who have a mom, like I did, my mom was very like promiscuous, um, men is like her choice of drugs, it's like most girls either run, run to that, they start to seek knowledge from me, I was the complete opposite, so I never like had any, like, I avoided boys, I studied hard, I worked hard, um, I didn't do drugs. I didn't get drink. I didn't party. You know what I mean? So, like, the problem is, too, is that people in my life, like my sister, principal from high school that I love dearly, they don't, they didn't see as much of a transformation, like, in the sense of, well, you've always been good. Mm-hmm. You know? So, that's the hard thing, too. Being from the South, they're like, they saw me talking about God more, talking about scripture more, talking, like, but it, it, it was like, but they never saw, like, they didn't see me as being evil or me as being wicked because they're like, what'd you do? You know, yeah. what did you do, Erica? <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't do anything. Wrong. You you were like, we were. You were the child that people wish they had. You know, which is and so then it's like, oh. so even now, like a lot of the girls I mentor see me as being perfect. And I'm like, no, I was so selfish and yeah. so like coping what I wanted. And I don't know. It's like when God, when I saw that I turned my back on God, it was more like I stopped seeking Him. I stopped looking for truth. I kind of just like made my own version of the truth and was satisfied in what I thought. You know, it's like. 
the Bible talks about how like um, fools say there is no God, but fools also like create gods. You know, like I'm thinking of mm. Isaiah like 43 through like 45, where it talks about how people create idols within a list of idols that they like use that they would make from wood are the same idols that they will use the same wood to like make fires, the same like wood they use to make like you know money, like. Like literally, I think a modern day example would be like, we idolize money, like paper, literally something that if we needed fire because it was cold, you would burn or like something that paper like that's used to make money is also the same paper used to make toilet paper. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we idolize things that at the end of the day, it's like nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, me, I definitely like, had idols of like what it meant to be successful you know what it meant to be smart what it meant to be um better than other people and like i I definitely analyzed comfort and security and money you know and so yeah i just stopped being a truth seeker and kind of put god on the back burner and this was like um even though like he protected me not from like he allowed difficult things to happen but he still protected me from the worst of it. I mean, my life could have been terribly worse. Um, like my mom, luckily, wasn't like a drug addict. She didn't like she was physically abusive, but not like I would get beat every day when I came home from school. Like, um, you know, like I'm not trying to, I guess, diminish like things that happen, but I definitely feel like God was gracious to me in a lot of ways. Um, by also like, yeah, just my sin having not having the consequences of maybe some other like sin avenues that I could have went down, you know, not to say like, uh, I don't know, not saying it's better, but there's different consequences, different sins. And I could have just, yeah, <laughs> again, well, I, know I had definitely had consequences financially for sure for some of my sins, but I don't know. I just looked back and was like, I wasn't faithful essentially. I think that's what it boiled down to. I was, I wasn't faithful to God was and he was he was always faithful to me he was totally always faithful he was there um and i guess in me being my unfaithfulness stemmed i can see now from like impatience you know um because we're called a lot to wait on the lord and like joseph was the story i clung to as a child but like joseph i forget how many years from the time he got the vision until he was like the right hand of Pharaoh, you know? Yeah. Whereas I was like, God, you know, I kind of like cast aside the vision. I'd hold on to it in dark times, but I didn't hold on to it. And even like good in good times either. I just was like, you know, uh, I'm done with that. I can like do my own thing. I can work hard. I can be successful. I can, you know, I bought into those lives of like self uh, sufficiency and autonomy and all that stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, like, to, to have that realization is such a blessing. Because, like, for mm-hmm. a lot of people whose, I guess, like, their sin doesn't necessarily manifest on the outside. Mm-hmm. For you personally, like, for a lot of us who've come to know Jesus, like, we know the depths of our internal hearts and where we were before we came to know the Lord. And, like, what you were saying earlier about, like, the fact it was like you weren't just like this person who was just out to do bad but like you were just content to live life apart from god and like you were okay with that and same with me before i came to know jesus too like i was basically in a place where i felt like well if the lord doesn't show up i'm gonna for damn sure have a plan b to make sure like 
I can take care of myself or like figure things out on my own. And part of that realization is that in and of itself, like that thing is evil. And like mm-hmm. to have that realization is definitely like God's spirit in you. Like you weren't created to do life apart from him and like neither was I. But for him to extend that invitation toward us anyway, I think that's like so beautiful. Even still in our like in our like I guess our our haughty attitudes of thinking that, you know, life apart from God can't possibly be that bad when really it's it was everything we weren't created for (laughs) yeah Hmm. yeah think a lot about um and this is uh what i relate to most in like the story of the prodigal son i relate most to the older brother um who you know just kind of has a i guess some some type of like self-righteous judgmental attitude towards a younger brother um thinking that it's more about like what i can achieve or like uh achieving um, goodness, um, rather than recognizing that, you know, um, my best is nothing if without Jesus, you know, with Jesus. Yeah. Jesus changes everything obviously. But I was just thinking about like how revealing it is that people do have that type of attitude, like to your story, Erica. And, um, I think people have had that reaction, like to my story as well, or it's just kind of like, yeah, well, what was wrong before? And it's just like, yeah, I, I was doing it. it apart from Jesus, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, uh, um, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, the, the reasons that I was doing things, they were not, uh, they were not out of a reaction to his love for me. They were out of a, uh, trying to think that I needed to achieve his love or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. be in his good graces rather than just live in the grace that's already been given that I can't achieve and recognize right. that so much freedom in that. Yeah. And and if anything, too, people saw me as like needing to be saved from things uh, like external things and honestly, like any internal problem with me, you know, like it's a hard thing. So like it's like, oh, people see me as, oh, you've done so well because you persevered through these circumstances. And it's like, yeah, don't get me wrong. My my the hand I was dealt was pretty bad, especially because where I was going to school, mind you. <laughs> was a predominantly white upper middle class like suburb that we totally lucked up in being able to live there. Like I remember one time a kid in my class make the statement, anyone who lives in our neighborhood cannot be poor. And my teacher was like, you don't know that. But she also knew at the time he was, this kid was saying this, I was like homeless and, and I don't think she was just saying it because of me, but she just like, was like, how dare you make a statement like that? And he's like, no. You can't, you know, and I just remember sitting back. I still remember that moment and what kid it was like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. And that was really hard too, being around a lot of like entitled kids who got everything handed to them, which like pushed me more. But yeah, I even think, but God's like so gracious and so merciful because, you know, like everything we have is from him. And even though like I was definitely disadvantaged, like God has blessed me and helped it give me different advantages and different gifts that made it easy for like school came easy to me like i would you know sleep through one of my classes like literally 90 percent of the time and i'd make an a it was like math you know and this girl's like how do you make an a and you literally sleep and she lets you and i try so hard and i have a c and i'm like you know so it's just like like i look at that and i'm like man that's a like gift from god because um yeah luckily with all the stress from other things like yeah, I was still able, like, by his grace to not end up worse off in some regards. But, yeah, definitely 
yeah, I look back and I'm, I'm, my my life definitely didn't play out the way I wanted it to, but I think it's the best that it possibly could be. Like I'm literally in awe. Like I like I live in San Francisco now, in a studio apartment by myself, which is like unheard of. Everyone who lives in San Francisco, unless you're making a ton of money, which I'm not, like they don't live alone. Everyone has roommates. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone was like, you know, so I'm just like. It's crazy because last year, around this time, it's like end of January, July, I was getting ready to leave the women's home. I was an intern. I had no money. Spent through all my savings when I moved here. I couldn't work. Like, I was freaking beyond broke. <laughs> and now, somehow, I'm living in the most expensive city in the U.S. in my own studio. Like, it just doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, you can't leave. You didn't even finish your degree. And all this stuff and i'm like I, in my car um i had a car that was oh josh i think did you ride in my car before i got a new car yeah, yeah. So i car, forgot about it but i forget yeah. who it was it was me and one or two other people but we were like erica like we might die tonight um yeah. <laughs> it was it was rough and you were like oh it's been like this for a while yeah um no one had thought I should drive my car 2,000 miles across the country. I mean, like, nope. cracked axle, front struts were bad, back struts were bad, um, no AC. Um, oh, the catalytic converter was broken. I mean, probably even more stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, one of my friends wanted to take the road trip with me, but she was afraid something would happen. And I was like, it's okay. Like, It'll be fine. And, but I knew, like, if God wanted me there, I was going to get there. And if I broke down, then, like, whatever. But I remember a few times doubting, like, oh, my God, if I break down in the middle of nowhere, like, New Mexico, um, <laughs> I don't know how to change a tire. And hopefully I have cell service, you know. Uh, but it was fine. I totally made it. And um, it was all God, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Are you still driving that thing? No, I got a new car. Okay, good. Uh, it's the very end of December. Yeah. Nice. So um, one question that we ask uh, sometimes on the podcast is like, yeah, uh, if you were to think about like who you believe God to be in the past compared to uh, who you've experienced him to be now, um, what's kind of like the biggest thing that jumps out at you of like that crazy shift of uh, of understanding in your heart? You know, I want to say faithful because it's easier, but I think the other one that I'm seeing, but I can't say I fully understand it now. I think I'm still grasping and like understanding is like God is like love. But like I said, I still struggle with that a lot. Um, But I think God is showing me more and more what it means and through other people. This is again something I struggle with. But it's like, I'm supposed to be going to Houston in a few days and I'm dreading it. And the reason I'm dreading it is because I don't want to leave San Francisco because I love the life I have here, but because of the community that I have here. And like, I really could say like, I don't know if a year ago, if I could say this as passionately, but like, I love the people like here, like my community here. Like when I went to New Orleans, you know, for the first time, like five years in May, I went for like four days. And on the second day I was like, I miss San Francisco. I want to go back. And I've never felt that way about a place before, like ever. Mm. Like I'm literally so excited to come back to San Francisco, and I haven't even left yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. Um, I'm like, I'm so bummed that I'm, I'm like, I'm happy I'm going, but I'm like, oh, 
man, I'm, I'm gonna be away from San Francisco for like six days. It's like a long time. Like that's how I feel because I like literally love everyone here so much. And so God has really been showing me about like His love through people and what that looks like. And um, yeah, like loving, like God loving us as so many people. Like it's not necessarily an easy thing. It's not. It's not about feeling. You know, um, it's very much about like God desiring our best. When we love people, we desire their best. And sometimes that means um, God correcting us and allowing us to go through hard times. Sometimes it's a lot, it's him allowing, um, him being silent, right? Even though he's with us because he wants us to grow and exercise our faith. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'm, more and more understanding God and, and him being loved and also him calling us to be vulnerable with him. You know, I think sometimes I pray and I think I'm being honest with God, but I'm really holding back. And it's like, he already knows. And I've learned this before, but I find myself still like faking out. And it's like, Erica, it's like, be real with me, you know? And in that, I'll say like, I just remember this. I've been like thinking about God, like as a friend more and our friendship with him. And so one thing that like recently, not spending time with the Lord, I was just like praying and kind of like, because that day I was struggling with like, God, are you hearing my prayers? Like, do you hear me? Because I didn't feel like he was hearing me that day. And so I went to Golden Gate Park. I was like laying on the blanket, reading my Bible. And then I started praying. I just like lay down the blanket, look up at the sun. And I just like started talking to him like I would a friend. And I just kind of like visualized him laying next to me. And I really felt in that moment, God was hearing my prayers. And so I think sometimes it's just like, I think, God is holy and to be feared, but he also has made it possible for us to like draw near to him and be close to him. And it says like mm -hmm. to boldly like approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so it's also being like, you're his friend and he just wants you to just like pour your heart out to him, you know? And so I find myself um, having around myself that I could do that, you know? And I that he actually like cares and and stuff, but in me that's also created a heart that when i now pray i don't want i don't want to like pray and, and ask god for the things that i desire or even good things right like i just want to ask him because they also glorify him and show me who he is you know yeah. like um there's so many things that i want that are like good things things that god may want for me but i'm like god listen i want these things not just because of what they are but i want them because like I believe that they can help me to see you more clearly and they can help me to grow in you. And if they're not going to do that, then I don't want them. Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, that's been how I've started to pray for things because yeah, right now we're like reading through numbers. And I remember like when God's like about to kill all the people and they're like, um, and most like, no, don't kill them because if you kill them, people are going to say you brought them out of Egypt only to like kill them and they're gonna say it wasn't god who brought them out of egypt and he's like god your your name's at stake you know and so god doesn't do it he um and so i just think about that like god um there are things i want like to be a mom i love kids and i know how difficult they are because i work with them and some days i don't think i want it but i'm like ultimately <laughs> i believe that like you can glorify yourself in my life this way and it can help me to see you more clearly in a lot of ways that I've struggled to because of my own childhood. And so I, I pray that you glorify yourself in my life in this way. Instead of just saying, God, I want to be a mom because it'll be fun. Like that's, 
what I've that's what I've been I recently saw. Um, when I was reading through numbers, it's like I only want it if it's going to glorify you in my life, and I really believe that it will because of the, some of the challenges that are going to be presented. Not because of the highs of it, but because I know the challenges in so many ways. But I think ultimately it'll help me to see more clearly, Lord. So like I'm asking you for your name's sake in my life, for you to be glorified in my life. And it just feels like different to play in that way for things, you know, um, especially because I'm really like believing it. But another day I was like, maybe I don't want to pray like that because, you know, <laughs> then God might, you know, like answer for you like, I don't know if I wanted it, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, that's sick, though, because I mean, uh, I think so often it's easy to just be like, all right, like God will give you the desires of your heart. Um one, the context that we usually talk about it here is that, you know, it's it's more so that God will give you his desires, you know, he will place his desires in you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, also exactly what you said, that it's not just like, oh, these are now my desires, but more so like with what end in mind, you know, with end to glorify him, you know, not that we would be consumers, obviously, you know, but well, maybe not obviously, because I think I still find myself praying that way. So, yeah. Yeah. And ultimately kind of like remembering to the fact that, and this one's like a hard one for me even still, um, the Lord knows me better than I know myself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like, I forget that way more times than I ever remember it. And even right now in the season I'm currently in, it's like the things in my heart that I know and I feel in my heart that I want may not even be things that I want, but I think I want, mm-hmm. but he ultimately knows what I need. And I have to rest in him meeting the needs because if I have what I want and it takes me away from him, then I lose everything, you know? So like, it's, it's a work of like knowing for one, like admitting to yourself that you don't know yourself as much as you think you do. Then admitting the fact that the Lord knows you more than you know yourself. And then to, for him to actually meet and provide for that desire that he's already placed in you, that he can meet it the best way that only he can. And it requires a lot of trust. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of trust, a lot of trust. But if you actually like, and like my prayer for the season is too, is like as I continue to endure through it and persevere that like when that need is met and when he does come through, I'm going to see a side of him and be so much more grateful that I waited than if I tried to like push things ahead myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in that too, one thing I learned recently, it clicked and I was like dealing with some roommate stuff when I had a roommate before I forget how it was said to me, but this idea clicked. It's like, sometimes God is like, I want to give you these things, but here's the thing. I love you too much, and I know you. You'll turn, mm-hmm. you'll idolize it. Yeah. And I'm not going to give you work. anything that, like, you're going to put before me. Because, one, I don't want, like, it's not good for you to ever, like, worship. This is worship the Lord your God, like, only. So I'm not going to give you an idol. Right. And, two, yeah. idol worship isn't good for you either, you know? <laughs> um it's, it destroys us. And so it's like, yeah, like, God's like, sometimes like, oh, Erica, like, I really want to give that to you. But see, I don't think you can handle it right now. And there's so many times I've tried to, like, make the vision that God has given me when I was a kid, like, aspects of it. There's certain times I've tried really hard to, like, make things happen, um, to make this, like, dream come about, and it didn't work. And I'm so thankful because I'm like, oh, man, that <laughs> would have been terrible, you know? Right. But, like, um. I just would not have been able to handle it. Like I've matured a lot in my time in San Francisco. And I was talking to this girl um, who was recently given back to the Lord and she's been walking with him for like a year or so now, you know, and she's like 
trying to pursue Christian dating, but it's just really not a good idea for her. And I told her, I said, you know, I've been walking for over five and a half years, and I'm so thankful I didn't meet nobody three years in, even a year ago, because right. I was like, yeah, I mean, I could have matured with it, but it would have been much more difficult, I think, because of the areas that I didn't grow in. I was like, I'm just now thinking, okay, maybe it could be a good idea. And I was like, just seek him because he's not, if you try to make these things work, like he's, yeah, you want him to give it to you because he's only going to give it to you when when you're ready, you know, when you can handle it. Um, There's like, I would love to have a really close, like best friend right now, but I feel like God knows, Erica, if you, if you get that right now, you might end up putting it in front of me. And I'm just, I love you too much to do that to you. So I'm just going to withhold it, you know? And but it pushes me to seek him more because the more my heart is after him, the more my heart matures in him, then it's like his, then I know I'm working towards being able to have that desire met, but in a way that I know it won't it won't like be I won't put it before him. So it's like right. it, it it pushes me to seek him more to grow so I can have the thing that he wants to give me without putting it in, in front of him. So. Yeah, that's something that I like noticed majorly, like majorly, majorly. Um, and sometimes it was just being aware that sometimes God gives us the things that we desire, but maybe not in the way we expect it, so we don't even see it. Like I yeah. realized me having my own apartment in San Francisco, like as a kid growing up, I always had this heart to want to have a home that I could host people in, that I could do stuff in, that if someone needed to live with me, they could, you know, and like... <laughs> I never thought of like a studio would be it, but this my studio is pretty big. I, I've thrown like a few parties here um, for people's birthday, and it can fit like twenty people in the main space. And then I have a whole separate kitchen, and like most people pay three times what I, they would pay three times what I pay for this space. And you know, it's like God, how did this happen? For like heaven, my pastor says like faithful little, you know, faithful with much. So it's like God can be. He gave me this place, and it's not what I imagined, but it could be just a like. A smaller version of what he wants to give me in the future but he's like also seeing how i handle this and so i realized that i'm like thank you god for this studio because i do have a place it's not what i thought you know living in texas i thought maybe i have a house with like a few extra rooms but yeah. um it's still a huge blessing so it's also having eyes to see um what he has done and what he's doing too mm-hmm. yeah one of our uh, old pastors uh, me and calvin went to the same church in michigan uh, when I lived in Michigan and one of the pastors, uh, the way that he talked about that kind of thing is like, uh, the passage where Jesus says, you know, like, uh, what good father, if, uh, son asks for, you know, ask for bread, would give him a stone. Um, and, uh, he just identified, he was just like, you know, something like with that story with Jesus talking, Jesus never says that the good father will give you what you initially asked for. You know, um, he said that he gives good gifts you know, to those who ask him. Um, and, uh, yeah, exactly what you just said. Like, um, that oftentimes the things that God does give us, uh, we don't identify as, uh, as good, uh, you know, cause we're looking, looking for what we asked for in the first place, or, uh, you know, we have our mindset on what we want rather than, uh, accepting gladly what he has for us and seeing that that might be an answer to, to prayer, but, you know, if we have our eyes on ourselves and what we wanted in the first place, we totally miss it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, Erica, thank you so much for sharing. Been thank really, you for really letting me share. Well, Erica, it was a blessing to meet you, uh, praying for good things for you on uh, your future and for what the Lord's doing right now in San Francisco is really cool. Uh, hang in there. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. For sure. Good night. Bye. Yep. Bye. See you later. Well, dude, uh, Erica's story. Um, dude, I'm so glad she shared it. Uh, yeah, just with like, yeah, she pretty much shared most of, of that when, uh, when I met her and, um, yeah, just really solid stuff. Um, hers is one of those stories that I feel like needs to be shared and heard by more people. So I was glad to have her share on here. Definitely. I love like, the just the rawness in her heart about like just where she was like there is no part of her testimony that felt like sugar-coated or anything like that like a lot of it was just what it was and like coming from a place of being like you know she mentioned like being prideful about her grades and being self-sufficient and being like known as a person to make moves and stuff to actually finding rest in christ and who she is like that is such a miracle. It's such a miracle. So even when the moves can't be made, like there's still no loss in identity or purpose. And yeah, just to even hear her talk like joyfully about everything that she's been through, despite how like really messed up it was. And to know like how bright her future is, like not a lot of people really can't afford to live in San Francisco. Like yeah, cost of living out there is insane, but she's doing it and she's, I feel like she's anointed to do it. Yeah, for sure pretty solid yeah um so we uh we'll try to have some more guests uh from out that area that i met um back in november soon um that's my hope um because there are a lot of people you know with I, I don't know if i would say similar stories but you know like stories um that were just really real and raw out there um and just like crazy transformations um that god's done on on their hearts um and in their lives so um, yeah, I love what's happening out there. Um, I know I've referenced it several times in, in these conversations, um, but never gone into like great detail about like that trip that I took, but, um, it's gonna, it's gonna keep coming up from time to time. Um, uh, I could do a whole podcast series on it, I guess, but, uh, I don't know if that's really necessary. Definitely a lot of cool things that God's doing through that ministry. So Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to see what else we're up to, uh, to listen to past episodes, you can head over to LetGodDie.com. And if you want to check out the extended cut of this episode, search Let God Die on YouTube. If you'd like to help us continue doing what we do, you can head over to LetGodDie.com and click on the support tab. Any contribution would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for your time, and we will see you next week.